go into this. Wait a minute. I, before we bow, <laughs> I didn't even pull this out. We got a couple of birthdays before we go in prayer. And um, Ann Swartz, <laughs> told you I was going to get you. Um, Patra, we got a couple birthdays. So Ron's going to sing happy birthday and we can all join in. Happy birthday to you every day of the year. May you feel Jesus near. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. And the best year you've ever had. Happy birthday. And uh, as, as we go in prayer, um, Ron and Vanessa's cousin Sherry that's been here with Rocky, they, they came to the pantry Friday and she had to leave and be, she sits in the wheelchair a, a lot now and stuff. She had to be wheeled out before the end of it because she was feeling sick. That I just found out they rushed her by ambulance to hospital today, overnight. So uh, as we go in prayer for what we're going to study and rejoice, let's be in prayer for her. She's uh, battling some things too. And Father, we thank you that we can rejoice this day because of you and your son and because he lives, that you squashed our enemy and you made a promise in Genesis chapter 3 that you was going to crush his head and you did on that cross when you resurrected after three days and now because you live we face tomorrow and father right now one of our members Sherry is struggling very mightily with some pneumonia and with some heart issues and she is um needing your help so father we petition you right now as this body of christ to please be with her and to take care of what's going on to guide those who you've trained to be your servants in this field and we pray that they will do everything under your command of what they should be doing and father we pray for your healing hand to put the final touches on and to to heal her she's been battling illnesses for a couple years now so we pray that this will fix it and father we pray today as we prepare to talk about thanksgiving and every day's thanksgiving in christ we pray that today's mainly going to be your word how reassuring these promises are because we stand upon the promises in your word a promise is only good as as the one who's making the promise and since you are God and it says I cannot lie or I wouldn't be God, we know we can rest upon these promises that they are sure and that they will not fail. And so, Father, help us to hear these like they're new for the first time and then put those within our minds as a foundation for faith so that as we face tomorrow, we face it in total faith with you and the promises you left us. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, well, let's uh, let, let's get something else going while we're uh, get a happy face on and get ready to rejoice and talk about Thanksgiving. Uh, last night, I had a dog show up. Uh, we'd gotten this little chihuahua and uh, it was out on the back porch for a minute. And you know how chihuahuas are. They they think that they're a big dog, right? 
Well, this, he was out there, and all of a sudden it was just a going to town. Well, he never does that. When he wants in, it's like a little scratch on the window, you know. And Sue's like, I think he's wanting in. It's probably because he's cold, because he's a cold nature dog. He lays underneath the fireplace or underneath the wood stove. I mean, he loves the heat. And so I said, no, that sounds like he's seeing something. I've been around dogs all my life, and that's more like I'm seeing something. I'm letting you know something's here. So she goes outside, and I heard her go, well, hey, pretty, what are you doing? And I'm like, who's she talking to? Is there a deer, or what's going on out here? So I go out there, and there was this dog, and he's, she's a, uh, I think, a Staffordshire Terrier, brindle in color, head about that big. But you know what? Her body was about this big, and you just saw every rib on her and some sores and stuff. And so we started taking care of her and fed her and watered. I mean, she couldn't get enough water and um, made her a bed. She was still there this morning and took care of that. But the big thing going on is, is are we keeping her and whose dog's it going to be? Because you got... Little Malachi running around, you got Deacon running around, and you got the two of us. So it's like there are everybody saying, is it staying? What's its name? And who's going to get it? And uh, Malachi said he wants the name to be I don't know. <laughs> and, and I said, you mean every time we're going to call it, you're going to say I don't know? You're going to think I'm talking to you, and I don't know something. But uh, I said, how about No-No, because that's his nickname. <laughs> but... Uh, with that, I got a joke this morning given to me, so I said, well, I'll, that leads right into this then, because uh, there was a, a, a pastor was walking down the street, and there was these three boys that was around this stray dog, and they was all sitting there talking and doing some things, and so this pastor was on his morning exercise and walking by. He said, what's going on, boys? What are you doing with this stray dog? And said, well, he's stray. Nobody wants it, so we're trying to figure out who's going to keep it. And he said, oh, yeah? Well, who do you think's going to? He said, well, we're having a liar's contest. Whoever can tell the biggest lie is going to be able to get the dog. And uh, he said, wait a minute. He thought, I got I to gotta tell him. I got to share this. So he says, look, guys, you know that lying's not right, right? That that shouldn't be the way you do this contest is telling lies. When I was a boy your age, I never told a lie. I always told the truth, and I have all the way to this day. Well, those kids tucked their head, and he thought, well, I've been pretty hard on them. They all tucked their head and was shaking their heads, and, and one of them finally looked up and said, okay, he wins. He gets the dog. <laughs> he told the biggest whopper, saying he ain't never told a lie. Well, anyway, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, right? His mercies are everlasting and endures forever. You know, it was the month of September, 1620, when a small ship called the Mayflower set sail from England, from Plymouth, England, to cross over the ocean and to come to a new world where they could worship God in spirit and in truth and not be persecuted by the regime that was over there. They faced a treacherous journey as they tried to cross that big water, and I couldn't imagine it. On one of those little sailboats, 102 people got in on it and started crossing the Atlantic. It took 66 days to get here. I, that's an amazing leap of faith to do something like that by yourself. They anchored off the shore of Cape Cod, 
And it took them another month to be able to get into the port because this is the end of November and into December. The weather was terrible and, and it was a brutal winter that winter. And by the time uh, spring came, there was only about half of them left. And uh, they established a village, though, when they went in there, and they called it Plymouth, New England. And they started a new way of doing things. And they were met there by uh, some uh, Abenaki Indians. And they came into the camp and started sharing some things with them. And then um, an Indian named Squano came up. And he started teaching them about how to plant things and how to do things and that and how to, they're going to need to harvest to carry them over through these brutal winters. And then they made, he helped mediate a peace with another tribe of Indians that lasted for over 50 years. And, uh, but that first year they organized at the end in 1621, after he had taught them how to plant and what to do, they organized a feast. A feast of thanksgiving to the Lord who had brought them on that journey over here and allowed them to have safety and now freedom, and now a new home, and who had took care of them. And they had this feast of thanksgiving, and their feast of thanksgiving lasted for three days. And um, we know what little we do by a diary of a man named Edward Winslow who recorded that in a diary that is still found, and people talked, and this is what he wrote. I want you to listen to what he said. He said, Our harvest has been gotten in. Our governor sent out four men to go a-fowling or hunting for birds. And we gathered the fruits of our labors, and the fowlers killed as much as lasted us almost a week. King Massasoit of the Indians came amongst us with 90 of his men. They went out and killed five deer and brought it back to the plantation. Together we entertained and feasted for three days. And though it wasn't always plentiful for this year for us, it was now at this time. And yet, by the goodness of God, we are now so far from want that we wish others to be partakers of our plenty. And from that time forward, several localities there, they held this feast of thanksgiving every year in honor of God for giving them the harvest and, and the things that they had to, to bring them through. And then, as it carried on, one lady in particular, her name was Sarah Hale. She's the author of the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb, Its Fleece Was White as Snow. She petitioned for 36 years to make Thanksgiving a national holiday. And finally, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln heard her plea and made a proclamation to have a Thanksgiving day. And then... It carried on up until Franklin Delano Roosevelt during the World Wars when he said, we're going to designate a specific time and it'll be the fourth Thursday of the month of November that'll be Thanksgiving Day. And to this day now, we have Thanksgiving because of God's help in bringing those people across that vast ocean through great turmoil, pressure, sickness, and trouble and code, they persevered by his grace. And so with thanksgiving, we come. And as an old gospel song states, you know, this world is not our home. I'm just a passing through. My home's laid up for me somewhere beyond the blue. 
The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Then another one says, though I'm often tempted, tormented and tested. And like a prophet, my pillow is stone. And though I find here no permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me a mansion my own. Because I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. One day, I'm going to have a mansion, a robe and a crown. That's what that song says. And you know what? That's all scriptural. I want to talk to you about, I'm going to start off, and I'm just going to give you some scriptures today on that very subject. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham comes along, and God says, I want you to come out from among the people where you're at at this time. And I want you to go into a land that I'm going to show you, that I'm going to give to your seed after you, and I'm going to prosper you, and I'm going to make your seed great, and they are going to have this, and I promise you that they will have it. And it says that he went and obeyed that. He left his family, he left his home, and he left everything he had to obey the call of God upon his life to go and do what he said. So Abraham departed and the, as the Lord had spoken to him, and he took the family and everything. And I want you to know it says this in Hebrews chapter 11 about him. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, but by faith he dwelt in that land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the heirs with him of that same promise, because he wanted what? A city which foundations and builder and maker is God. And then if you go on down to verse 13 there in Hebrews 11 of that great chapter of faith, it says, these all died in faith, never having received the promise, but they could see him afar off, just as we do. They were assured of him. They embraced the promises of God, and they confessed something. And you know what they confessed? We're just strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And God says that those who say such things declare plainly that they seek another homeland. And truly, if they had been called to mind the country that they came out of, they could have gone back, but they didn't. They hung on because they desire a better place, a heavenly country. Therefore, now here's a promise to everyone who is desiring a heavenly country, a new place. He says, therefore, God is not ashamed to call you his children. To those who are seeking him and this world is not your home. I'm just a passing through. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger in this land. And you declare it and you embrace the promises of God. He says, I am not ashamed to call you my child. And I am going to deliver on the promises that I give to you. There is a better place waiting for us, a heavenly country. And those who will embrace and confess this, God's not ashamed. Then I want you to see what the Lord Jesus, tagging on to this when he came and he represented God in the flesh. And he wanted us to see. He said, if you've seen God, you've seen me. And what is the promise he gave? John chapter 14, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will bring you to myself and receive you. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. And then Thomas, one of the disciples, said unto him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. So let not your hearts be troubled, dear Christians, those who are embracing those promises and looking for the new land. We are Christian pilgrims in a strange land that is not our home that we're just passing through. Believe in God and his promises and in Jesus. And he said, I am going to build a city whose foundations is made in the heavenly realm in a new country that I'm going to deliver to you. And Jesus made that promise to us that he's there now building those mansions for us that we can be with him and he will come and receive us again. And then he says this, if you drop on down, if you're there in John 14 and you want to go down to about verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he's going to do something for you. He's going to send you another helper that he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him nor hold him, know him, but you know him. And he dwells with you right now. And once I'm gone, he is going to dwell within you and be with you. I will not leave you as an orphan, but a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. And what was our last song? Because I live. <laughs> Lord was working on you this week picking them out, wasn't he? Because I live, you will live also. I can face tomorrow. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father also. There's a promise that you can bank on. He says, God will also love you. And at that day, you will know that we are there. You will be loved by my father and it will be manifest myself to him. And then Judas, not the one named Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and, and not to the world? And Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to me. And we, here's another promise. We, the Father and the Son, will make our home with him. Did you hear that? He's making his home to be with us and us to be with him. He loves us and wants us to be with him. Now, verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but it's my Father's that sent me. These things I've spoken to you while present with you, but the Holy Spirit, that helper that I'm going to leave with you and he's going to be within you, the Father's going to send in my name. He's going to continue to teach you all of these things and allow you to understand 
what's going on. And he'll bring things to remembrance in your life as you go along. But then he says this. And I don't know how we could face tomorrow without this. But peace I leave with you. My peace. Not anybody else's. But my peace I give to you. Not as the world tries to give you. Let not your heart then be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you that I'm going to come away and come back. And if you love me, you would rejoice. There's our topic of thanksgiving and rejoicing. If you love me, know I'm coming back. And you can rejoice in that. Because I said, I am going to my father. And he's so much greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes. So that when it does come to pass, you might believe. Everything that was written in the book of John, he said at the end, these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that in them you might have life. And so rejoice, dear pilgrims in Christ. These are promises. You've got a helper given to you, the Holy Spirit, who lives within you. Jesus said, my Father and I will live within you as well. And I will give you my peace as you go along through this life. My peace I give to you. And then that day is going to come. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I love these verses. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep. Don't sorrow, even as others who have no hope, because we got a different reason. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so they also which sleep in Jesus God is going to bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven. It's going to be with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we, we which who are alive and remain, will be caught up together with them into the heavens to be with Jesus. And there we are ever going to be with him. Praise God. And then you know what he says? Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And that's what we need today is this comfort, don't we? With everything that's going on, we need to be comforted by these words. I am coming back again to receive you and where I am you will be I've been gone preparing that place for you and I will take you to be with us and you will forever be there with me you know what's at the end of the book right Revelation chapter 21 if you want to turn there we're going to be there for a minute if you want to follow along Revelation 21 turn over there there's some more promises that's made to you and I he says this Beginning in verse 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What did Jesus say he was going to build? He's going to build a place for us up there with God, wasn't he? And mansions and those rooms and place. Abraham was looking for what? A new city, a place where the foundation and builder was God. He says, John says in the end, after all the battle of this earth is over, he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and earth has passed away. Also, there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city. There's that city whose builder and maker is of God. I saw that city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It must be beautiful. You know why? Because it says it's prepared like a bride for her husband. 
And that's the most beautiful day of the year, isn't it? When they're all decked out and adorned. So this city is beautiful and it's all ready prepared for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men now, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself. Man, this, don't, this should give you chills down your bone. God himself will be with them and be their God. And then God says this, and here's a promise. God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There will be no more pain because the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write. And I'm glad he did because you know what he said to write? These words are faithful and true. You can take them to the bank. God said they're faithful and true. They are faithful and true. And every word you can take to the bank with you. And then he who sat on the throne said, I make all things new. It is done. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes is going to inherit all things and I will be his God and you will be my son. And then an angel came up to John and he was looking at the wonders of this city and the angel said, come, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. You know, that's us. We're the bride of Christ. He said, let me show you them. And he carried me away in the spirit to a high mountain and he showed me that great city the holy Jerusalem that was descending out of heaven from God. And having the glory of God, her light was like the most precious stone. You know, we're going to look like that. We are going to be bodies of light and be like most precious stones with things just glimmering. It's going to be beautiful. He said he's going to give you a new body, an indestructible one, that nothing's going to happen to it. And he, he goes on describing all of these things of this city that, that is for us and built for us and the beauty that's in it. And the wall of the city has 12 foundations where the apostles were and then the construction was made out of pure gold and the sea like clear glass. And then he says this, verse 22. I saw no temple in it. You know why? Because that's the temple was where God dwelt, and you could only approach him like one time a year and only the high priest to go in and offer something up. You know why there's no temple there? Things just changed, didn't it? I saw no temple because the Lord God Almighty and his son, the Lamb, are now your temple. They dwell with you and within you and a part of you, and you are no longer, he's not hidden behind some curtain, he's there. With you in this city and I will dwell with them. And you know what? We're not going to need a sun or a moon or stars to light the place up. Because he says I'm going to be the light. The sun's going to be the light of the world. And God is its light. And then it says the lamb is its light. And the nations who are saved are going to walk in that light. As the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates not going to be shut at any time. You're allowed to wander to and fro and be with God in that place. There ain't going to be no gates keeping you out of something. And then he says, they're going to bring glory and honor to him. 
And there will be no means entering anything that's going to defile. And you know, part of that is things like these sicknesses and the things that's bothering us today. Nothing can defile in there or anything who does. He says, who's going to be there? Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Turn the page. It just keeps getting better. Revelation chapter 22. Next page. Verse 3. There's going to be no more curse. You know, that's the reason why we got all the things that goes on in this world today is because of the curse. Whenever, whenever Adam and Eve partook of that forbidden fruit on that day in Genesis chapter 3, everything became a curse through that and through the wiles and seduction of Satan who wanted to destroy God's creation. It ain't God to blame. It's him and us. And he says... You don't have to worry about that no more because I have taken the curse away. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and His servants, us, we get to serve Him and they shall see His face. And His name will be written upon our foreheads and there will be no night and no need of a lamp nor a sun because the Lord God gives them light and they shall be with Him as they reign forever. And He said again, these words are faithful and true. You can bank on it. You can put the house on it. It's going to happen. And he says, those whose world is not my home, us Christian pilgrims, we got a new place to go and the doors ain't going to be shut and it's not going to need electric bill because God's the light and he's going to live and dwell with us and there's no curtain separating us from him. So each week, may we, as we gather together here Rest upon those promises every day of our life through the week. This week as we go into Thanksgiving, we have all of these precious promises that he says are faithful and true for us to live in and to be assured of. And so he says this, rejoice how beautiful it's going to be. And so I want to close with a couple of Psalms. Psalm 100, the psalm of thanksgiving says this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He must have heard me singing. It's a noise. <laughs> it's a joyful noise, but it's a noise. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and we're the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name. For the Lord he is good. His mercy. Is everlasting. And his truth. You can count on it. It endures. Through all generations. And as our worship team. Comes on up. And, and we take this with us this week. Into the Thanksgiving time. Brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that this will be a year of thanksgiving and praise for you. We have a promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus made that promise to us before he left. After those days of the cross, the days in the tomb, and he arose again before he went to be with the Father to begin building that city and those mansions for us, he said this, Go ye therefore... Teach all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe the things that I have commanded you. And lo, here's your promise. 
I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And then he says this. It kept on going. You remember Jesus talked about, if I go, I'll leave with you a comforter. I will leave with you the Holy Spirit. I won't leave you like an orphan. I'm going to give you someone that's going to help you. Peter brought that out. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you're going to what? Receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. That comforter that I'm going to leave with you to be able to help you. And then you're going to, uh, this is a promise. Jesus promised it. Peter says it's a promise to you, to your children, to all who are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then you don't have to wait a long time. You don't have to know, know much. All you got to do is have faith. Philip had just left a city and he's wandering through the wilderness. And as he's wandering through the wilderness, there's a chariot going by over there by itself. And the Lord says, go attach yourself to that chariot. And so he runs over there and he starts running beside the chariot. And he hears that the man is reading from the book of Isaiah. And it's talking about the lamb going like the sheep before the slaughter. And he says, hey, do you know what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch looked at him and said, how can I unless someone tell me what it is? I don't understand. And he said, I'll help you. And he jumps in and they go in. It, it couldn't have been too long because this is the middle of the day. And before the day's over, the eunuch says, he taught him Jesus, it says. Philip opened his mouth at that point and taught unto him Jesus. You know what he must have taught him? All the things that we just learned today. Because then that eunuch said, hey, there's water that we're coming up on. What does hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart that Jesus is the son of God, you may. And he said, I believe with all of my heart. And you know what he did? He stopped the chariot. <laughs> he didn't wait another moment. He wanted all these promises. And they stopped the chariot. And it says both of them, Philip and the eunuch, got down into the water and they baptized him into Christ and you know what happened the Lord caught Philip away he never saw him again just like that but you know what Philip did, or what the eunuch did it says he went on his way rejoicing rejoice Christian pilgrims in the promises of God that we have for our life and what he's got in store for us in the end and let's pray father just thank you so much for a day of thanksgiving and praise that we can give to you. We give you all honor, all glory, all worship that we can to you. We humbly bow before you as our great God. To thank you for Jesus, for your Holy Spirit, for your word. For everything that you have left for us to give us this peace, this comfort. And the ability to rejoice and to carry on and to have thanksgiving. Because we are seeking for a city whose builder and maker is God. That new Jerusalem. And Father, we praise you and thank you for that gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.